Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is Don Stallion. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Good afternoon and welcome to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Happy Sunday to everybody out there that is watching sports. This is a special edition of the Sports Beat. Here with me, reflecting on the past decade and what a decade it has been for Bay Area sports teams, is one of my colleagues from the Defense Information School in the military and a longtime Bay Area sports fan, Jenny Fisher. How are you doing, Jenny? I'm doing great. Really happy to be here. And uh, one thing we do have in common is we both grew up in Northern California. So our teams are about the same 49ers, Giants, Warriors, Sharks, uh, Stanford. Am I leaving anybody out? <laughs> uh, no, I think you, you're covering the map. But uh, the A's are our second close because they're near and dear to our hearts. And, you know, we've had to, we've had to battle them a few times, but they're fun. Absolutely. And Moneyball is one of my favorite movies of all time. So they given props to the Oakland A's uh, sad to see the Oakland Raiders leave for Las Vegas, but they had a nice run and I know they'll do well in Las Vegas with that new stadium. Hey, I got something to say about that. I am thinking that this is going to be a great turn for them. They are going to be an international team because Vegas is where people from all over the world come. So one of the first franchises to go into, you know, a place where gambling is, really really prevalent and i think it's going to be good for them i think it fits their personality so to speak so i'm excited for them i hate to see them go but i'm they're due for some love absolutely all right jenny i'm going to take you back in time back to 2010 you know the start of this decade you and i are long-suffering san francisco giants fans haven't won a world series since 1954 general manager brian sabian puts this team together with great pitching tim lincecum matt kane Madison Bumgarner, that was his first season. And the Giants out of nowhere, led by Cody Ross, led by Pat Burrell, led by Buster Posey, which was a steal when they got him in the draft. And, the, you know, the cornerstone of this team, the Giants win their first World Series in San Francisco and their first World Series since 1954. Did we expect that they would just bring on this run every even year they would win more World Series as they won it in 2012, and they won probably one of the greatest World Series of all time, beating the Kansas City Royals in 2014 with Madison Bumgarner just being a horse out there just pitching. Now, how, what was your take on the run that the Giants had early in this decade? Well, so here's the thing that you're going to get from me. You're going to get much more of an emotional side to this because I think that when it comes down to, to these sports – and especially our teams, and everyone is in close proximity there up in uh, the Bay Area. I, I, I credit a lot of that to what the community puts into their team. And so I know that um, uh, Sabian got kind of a bad rap because, you know, he wasn't making the choices that everybody thought he should be making, but that's why he's in that role. And so I give him a lot of credit because he did get those, like, Timmy and, you know, and so that I think built, he's put more infra emphasis on getting young, young guys, but then some of the seniors as well. And so that kind of built a foundation 
that's just a little bit stronger than just, you know, you know, grabbing new kids that look hot out of the bag. You know, bring these new kids that they can lean on. And Bocce by his side, I think, did well when it comes to lineups and putting people where they should be playing. Exactly. In my opinion, the San Francisco Giants were the team of the decade. You had the Boston Red Sox winning two World Series, and you also had the, the Cubs, which is an emotional fan favorite, winning that series in 2016. But yeah, wrapping up the decade, the Giants were recognized as as the team, even though, you know, our longtime rivals, the Dodgers, had more sustainability winning those straight division titles under Clayton Kershaw and then having the, the talents of Cody Bellinger and, and Justin Turner and just a great lineup. But the Giants, they got the three rings and that's all that matters. And so with that, moving on, you know, toward the beginning of the decade, we started seeing a resurgence of 49ers football as long suffering 49ers fans when Jerry Rice and Steve Young retired and they went in to the pits. Well, they had a little bit of success with Jeff Garcia and Terrell Owens, but as soon as T.O. left 2004 on all the way up to. Oh yeah, that was hard. That was nothing but heartbreak. I witnessed at right out of college, the two and 14 season with Tim Rattay as quarterback, they, they could not get a receiver. They couldn't even find highlights for that season. Brandon Lloyd had a spectacular catch, and that was it. They couldn't do anything on offense. And then in 2011, the 49ers hired Jim Harbaugh, which turned that franchise around. They went 13-3. and They played the Giants in the NFC Championship game. And let's be honest, I, I hate to call him the GOAT, but it has to be Kyle Williams. He, he fumbled the ball twice. And the 49ers lost that game. But they went back to the NFC title game in 2013. Me living in Atlanta at the time, I was lucky enough to go to that game where I saw them. When I saw them come back from the Atlanta Falcons, they were down 17 to nothing. Colin Kaepernick brought them all the way back. And then, of course, the heartbreaking loss in the Super Bowl, you know, with the lights going out, losing to the Baltimore Ravens. But we felt. We felt that, I don't know, I'm bringing you back. I'm giving you bad why, memories. Why do we have, why do we always have, like, during these great losses, we have some sort of um, unreasonable thing that happens. So, you know, you go back to the World Series, and I get, I know this is pre what we're talking about, but, you know, when we had the, the, the Battle of the Bay, the earthquake, earthquake, and then we have, you know, it's like, it's like, wh- when the man upstairs is not working for us, <laughs> he will let us know. <laughs> He's like, I don't got you today. <laughs> exactly. The the Giants had their heartbreak as well. But, you know, we actually thought after the 49ers lost that game to the Ravens, this is a great team. They'll be back. And then probably the heartbreak that was even worse was the Richard Sherman tip in the end zone. Michael Crabtree, Kaepernick shouldn't have threw it on first down. But I've, I live relive that game. I watched that game over and over again. As much uh, I dislike the Seahawks with a passion, that is the most hated rival in this oh, decade. Don't even and, get me started on the uniform. Sorry to be a girl about it, but my goodness. <laughs> Maybe it's jealousy of Russell Wilson because he's everything I wanted. Colin he Kaepernick is the golden child, isn't he? He does not belong he, up there. He should have. We should have gotten him somehow. But yeah, exactly. I, that's. I mean, that's part of the problem, though, is that you see him and he's so good and he's so focused that you're just like. That's what we want. That's what we need. And I felt like this year we had that. We had that, you know, um, 
the, the solidity of the team. And, and in football, you have to have that. You just can't have – it's not a one-man show at all. But you got to have that leader in the front that's going to bring everyone together and push them harder. And Wilson does that. I don't, I don't want to well, praise him too much, but you know what I mean. Well, you, know, you want to know an interesting fact about this decade. Teams in the NFC, the Seahawks have gone to the Super Bowl twice, 2013 and then 2014. The San Francisco 49ers are the only other team in the NFC that has reached the Super Bowl twice. What's impressive, they've done it with a complete staff of different players and coaches. That is amazing how they're able to turn that around. Because we could talk about when Harbaugh left in 2014 with the Jim Tom Sula debacle and then Chip Kelly was even worse. And then they get Kyle Shanahan, a, a, a hot offensive coordinator here in my neck of the woods from the Atlanta Falcons that blew the 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl, And then the day after he jumps ship and becomes the head coach for the 49ers, which was a home run getting him and John Lynch. And we saw the turnaround to wrap this decade up in the 49ers, you know, making it to the Super Bowl. I was just happy they were in the Super Bowl. I mean, you know what, you know what? I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I wanted them to be in the Super Bowl. I watched them all season long and I was just like, I mean, we're, how far did we get before there was even a loss? There was just, it was amazing to me. And I was like, we're on a roll, boys. Let's keep this going. And I think a lot of that is to the coaching and to the fact that, again, you have that leadership that's bringing the team together and pushing through those hard times. Exactly. And when it comes to Bay Area sports teams, we love our 49ers and Giants, but we cannot forget about the run the Golden State Warriors had in the middle of the decade. It started by getting a great GM and Bob Myers when Joe Lacob actually bought the team in, in 2000, early 2010. They already had a piece in place. In 2009, they drafted Steph Curry, which is one of the greatest shooters in NBA history. 2011, they drafted Klay Thompson. They were building this team up, and then when they got Draymond Green in the second round, they had these three pieces, along with Harrison Barnes. They got him in the next round. The Golden State Warriors were making the playoffs, but in 2015, this jump-shooting team surprised everybody by making that run they did in the playoffs by defeating the Houston Rockets in the Western Conference Finals. And then the ball bounced their way, took on a LeBron team in the Cavs, but he was without Kyrie Irving, he was without Kevin Love, and the Golden State Warriors won that title. Uh, giving them their first NBA title since 1976. And that was a great moment for the city of Oakland. Even though the Warriors are in San Francisco now, I remember seeing the parade in Oakland. I, I grew up going to Oakland A's games because it was a lot easier because when I lived in Milpitas, it was easier to, to ride BART to the stadium. And so you have the Oakland A's and the Golden State Warriors right around the same area. It was nice to see the city of Oakland get a championship. Yes, of course. And I think that's because they've always been like, you know, always the second sister, you know, and they just need to have that, that, um, that team that they finally built. And I feel like they built this back. And Curry, they're bringing in these other folks. Um, and then I, I just think that they kind of did it discreetly I don't think they were too much hubbub around it and they're very modest team and then they go out and they just start killing and it's like whoa and then of course getting Kevin Durant in the summer of 2017 they're able to win two more titles and so the dynasty occurred Golden State Warriors reaching the NBA finals for five straight seasons 
Now they they've fallen off this year because of injuries. It's no fault of theirs. I mean, they will be back, but it's nice to see that we have three teams that were were dominant in this decade. We can't forget about the hockey team here in the Bay Area as well. The San Jose Sharks did reach the Stanley Cup final for the first time in franchise history. I know as a kid, the Sharks were always in the playoffs and they took on the Pittsburgh Penguins who I knew in that Stanley Cup final that the Penguins had more experience. They had Sidney Crosby. You know, they had um, Eugenie, Eugenie Malkin. I hope I'm pronouncing that name yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I think you you got it right. But the Sharks, you know, with Logan Couture and and, and Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe, they, they have just a great team. It was a great run for them. I would love to have seen them win a title, but, you know, the Sharks did have that run. And then also – I want to mention, to, to wrap out this decade, I know we're not as big a fans of, of college football as we should be in California. I mean, I, I actually live in Georgia. I've lived there for 15 years. No, we're, so, not, in a, we're not in Tennessee. or. A... <laughs> they, they live and breathe college football. Yeah. Being in Georgia, it's all about the Georgia Bulldogs. I'm right on the border of Alabama. Oh, yeah, so you're Alabama, in the thick of it. Yeah, Alabama, Auburn, SEC country. Living in California, they, they didn't really care about college football. But what was impressive last decade was the run that the Stanford Cardinal had. It started with Jim Harbaugh. He led them to a 12-1 record in the 2010 season under Andrew Luck, and they won the Orange Bowl against Virginia Tech. Very impressive. And then he left to become the coach of the 49ers. David Shaw, his offensive coordinator, carried the rounds and was an impressive 86-34 and for the entire decade, which included two Rose Bowl victories and a number three ranked final standings in 2015. You know, to, to wrap out the decade, Stanford finished 98 and 35. They have put players in the NFL, such as Andrew Luck, Dave, uh, Christian McCaffrey, it, it, just to name a few, Kobe Fleener, uh, we have Zach Ertz, David DeCastro, Blake Martinez. Just a lot of great players in the NFL. So, and then being, being unique to the fact that we aren't a state that really, you know, focuses on the college ball game. I think that Stanford has kind of helped us work towards that. And and the common denominator there is Harbaugh, you know. And it's like, you know, you bring championship to championship, and you put these players out there that okay, California can be a part of this. We they can put people out there from the collegiate teams into the NFL. I think that's a great point to make. And as we talk about this decade with Bay area teams, you know, want to give, give a shout out to the Oakland A's, you know, with, with them, with the movie Moneyball, and, you know, still Billy Bean, Billy Bean is still the GM of the A's because of the movie Moneyball. You know, they didn't make the postseason last year. They've had, I think, the, the year they actually acquired John Lester, I actually thought they had the pitching in place to actually make a run in the World Series. And with that, the A's, you know, they're they're doing very well. Sad to see the Oakland Raiders leave to go to Las Vegas. They really didn't have a great decade. They, they got close when they went 12-4, and four, but they lost David Carr for the season and then lost to the Houston Texans in the playoffs. And Jack Del Rio was their coach, and now they have John Gruden. And, you know, living in Sacramento for a brief moment, I'm disappointed with the Sacramento Kings. They haven't made the playoffs since uh, 2006. 
And it, it's really depressing. If you're living in Sacramento, I know they have my little news. brother is in Sacramento right now and he continues to oh. go to the games. And I'm like, keep the spirit, brother. Keep going. You got this. <laughs> if there's a if there's a silver lining, they have a new owner with a new stadium, the Golden One, Golden One Arena. I've never been there. Like when I was living in Sacramento, I've always I always went to Arco Arena. But the Golden One Arena, which is in downtown Sacramento. They kept the team in Sacramento. Remember, this team was going to move to Seattle and call themselves the Seattle Supersonics. Mm -hmm. But Kevin Johnson, the mayor of Sacramento. He's like, kept... nope, I'm not letting him go. Exactly. And, that, and you know what? When you think about the move that the Niners just made, sorry to go back to football, but that's who I am. Love and football. I, and I, I'm just telling you that move to Santa Clara, it kind of gutted me. I was like, then you can't call them the San Francisco 49ers. But what they've done with the stadium is amazing. But I give props to the owner for saying no, we're gonna, or to the mayor for saying, no, we're going to keep them here. We're going to do whatever it takes because we do want to build this team and we do want to make it happen. And that franchise does have a very good fa fan base. You know, for a, a team that has won five Super Bowls, we were spoiled. I know I was spoiled when I was a kid witnessing them well, I didn't see them all win all five Super Bowls because the first the first one I probably was like three. So I don't really remember that Super Bowl. And I yeah. really didn't pay attention to the second Super Bowl when they beat the Dolphins. But I remember my first football game that I really paid attention to was when they beat the Cincinnati Bengals in that Super Bowl in Miami with Montana throwing it to Taylor to defeat the Bengals uh, 20 to 16. See, and you know, you and I are on the same page because I remember growing up and my dad would take old newspapers, cut them up, and make pom-poms for me and my sister. And we would just jump around with these newspaper pom-poms. And that's, for me, that's what instilled in me that I'm a Bay Area kid. And I will always be a Bay Area kid, no matter what. But I remember jumping up and down on the couch and just being so excited. And Joe Montana, Ronnie Lott, Jerry Rice, I mean... These guys were just the heroes. And I know you probably remember because the run that the Bay Area teams have had this past decade, they had a similar run. I don't know if you remember back in about 1988 to about 1990. Oh, yeah. I was when the 10, Oakland A's, 10 years yeah. old. I mean, that's that was whatever kid wants. I know exactly where you're going. Sorry to be interrupted. <laughs> No, not at all. Even though I was a Giants fan as a kid, the Oakland A's were the dominant dynasty in from 88 to 90. They should have won all three World Series titles, but unfortunately they won the World Series title against the Giants. The earthquake caused the delay, which allowed Dave Stewart and Mike Moore, because those were the two aces for the A's. So what they was got that, the, the third game? That was the third game? Oh, yes. The, they were getting ready to play game three at Candlestick Park, and then at 5.04 p.m., there was an earthquake. And so they delayed it by, I want to say, like 12 days. There's an ESPN 30 for 30 called The Day the Series Stops. It's really a good series because they interview a lot of people that were there, that were trying to go to the game, that were that well, were. So I remember it. I was rushing home from school because we were like, they had already lost uh, two games. Rushing home from school, you know, we're just kids. We we don't know much about anything, but we know our sports team. And my elementary school is really close by, so we would run home. And uh, I remember sitting there. We turned on the TV, the old box TV, you know. And uh, 
all of a sudden I was like, why is my brother kicking my couch right now? Because we had two different couches. I was like, why are you kicking this? We're trying to watch the game. And then everything went black and everything shook. And I just remember going, what? Now, were you living in the Bay Area? Or were you living outside in the valley? Where I was could- in the valley. So you could still feel the earthquake, right? Oh, yeah. We still got it really good. I mean, like I said, my, I thought my brother was kicking the couch, but it was the earthquake. And uh, I, I remember, Yeah, I remember living in Milpitas, which is right in the South Bay, feeling the earthquake, heavy, you know, no power, didn't go to school the next day. We were listening to it on the radio. Like, we, we saw the bridge collapse on the news the following day. Oh, that was had, scary. Oh, God. Had no idea what was going on. No, and we were young, so we didn't know any better. I remember, um, so I was in Modesto, shout out to Modesto. Um, and so for us, it was just a shake and the TV went out. That was pretty much all we got. But then once you saw the news, I mean, it was just, you know, when you see your parents worried, that was like one of the first experiences. And it was right during this World Series where all the world's eyes were on the Bay Area, like. Any other time, I don't know that it would have had so much attention other than that it was the biggest earthquake since the 1906 earthquake, as I recall. Yes. Yeah. And so, but I mean, all the entire world was watching the World Series and the entire world stopped watching the World Series because of this. So, uh, but it was still amazing, especially to have both the A's and the Giants right across the bay from each other, dueling it out. I wish we had won more games than that, but, you know, there's no loser there. I strongly feel that if there was no earthquake, that the Giants would have at least taken two at Candlestick. They were very strong. You think so? You would think. I think so because the A's would have to go with Bob Welch, the late Bob Welch. God rest his soul. He he passed away a couple years ago. Shout out. Shout out. Love him. and then I don't know who their fourth starter would have been. I, I because they their their starters were Dave Stewart, Mike Moore, Bob Welch, and then like Rick Honeycutt. I think, but he, I think he was in the bullpen. Oh, you know, Honeycutt, were, that's a blast from the past. Yeah, the, you know the the A's had a dominant bullpen with Dennis Eckersley, and that that's what's so crazy about the A's dynasty. Because you remember. In 1988, I mean, everybody remembers game one with Kirk Gibson mm-hmm. limping up to the plate. Eckersley was unhittable. I mean, he hasn't allowed a home run since August of that year. And, and the A's, you know, the, the Dodgers led by Earl Hershiser, which was their last World Series title, were, were there to upset the A's. But a lot of people don't rem- remember that the A's, which, by the way, if you if you're just joining on the podcast, I did see over the over the scroll line that former A's second baseman, Tony Fernandez passed away. No, just now. Just now. He, he also played for the blue Jays. He's got two world series rings. I want to say three, because I think he was with the blue Jays in 92 and 93. So uh, just thoughts and prayers to his family. Uh, Just a tremendous loss in the baseball world. I I saw that and that, that kind of, that really, uh, caused my heart to be heavy. I, I feel bad. I, I enjoyed him play at second base. He was such a great player for the A's. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't so, even hear that. That's okay. No, I'm just saying, I mean, you know, it happens. I mean, shocking. You, it is shocking. 
But uh, yeah, I, I remember, I mean, I wasn't necessarily a fan of the A's because I was a fan of the Giants, but I mean, I remember the players. I mean, the Bash brothers, Jose Canseco. Oh, Martin. the Bash brothers. That's a blast from the past. Jose Canseco. Yeah, we could get nostalgic all day. I mean, I, I mean, this is, I mean, if you want to talk about like my favorite teams, I mean, you know, growing up, I mean, obviously the Giants and, you know, the, the Golden State Warriors in the 90s with Chris Mullen and Tim Hardaway. I yeah, mean, yeah. It was, and then, and then of course, I, I have a confession to make, you know, so when my family moved to Sacramento in 1997, you know, I graduated high school and my family moved to Sacramento in 1997, I jumped on the Sacramento Kings bandwagon because they had such an exciting team with Chris Weber and Mike Bibby, Peja oh, Stojakovic. Yeah. Divots. They should have won the title in 2002, but the refs took that game away. The the Western Conference Final against the you know the Los Angeles Lakers. But it's neither here or there. It it was a it was just a quick. Hey, I was living in Sacramento. Everybody in Sacramento are Kings fans, and which which by the way, in a couple of years, Sacramento will be getting a major league soccer team. So I hear I, that soccer is on the rise. About, yeah, I know we didn't talk about the earthquakes here in the state of Georgia. We have a soccer team called Atlanta United, mm -hmm. which won Georgia's first championship since the Braves won it in 95. So it was a big deal when Atlanta United won the title here in 2018. We actually had a parade in the city. So I was happy for them. I'd, you know, the Earthquakes were a great team in the early 2000s, and then they later became the Houston Dynamo. They had great players like uh, Landon Donovan and Chris Woldenowski. So just a shout-out to the San Jose Earthquakes, you know, representing the other – the other pro sport team in the Bay area. No, I love that. And the, and the thing is, so when you talk about soccer, I didn't have a love for soccer until I was forced to play it between seasons. And now I'm like, you can see it, that outside of football is just so uniting. It's so fun to watch soccer and see these young teams and the, the women's team included. Um, it's really exciting. There's another sport out there that we can obsess over and, you know, get all the stats so Shout out to Brandy Chastain, who's from San Jose. There you go. Exactly. And so it's just so fun. It's like, bring them, bring all of the sports to the Bay because it's such a tight knit community. And for those of the folks out there that don't uh, follow Bay Area sports, I mean, it's just really exciting because they're all in such close proximity that there's always love between and cross-functionally across these different teams. And it's fun. It's fun to see the Niners cheer on the Giants. It's fun to see the A's cheer on the Raiders. And I think that the Raiders will always, sidebar, always have a special place in our heart. Um, but we want them to go on to bigger and better things. And it really doesn't matter where they're playing. They could play in Oakland, Los Angeles, Las Vegas. Raider fans are still going to be Raider fans. Raider Even fans, I, I mean, you will find them anywhere else in the world. You have Raider fans. Um so I went, I went at one point to the Raiders headquarters and it just, I was not excited to see the headquarters because it felt like it didn't have a lot of love. I think there could have been a lot more going on there and I just want them to have, I mean, they'll always have their fans that I will never take that away from them, but they need leaders. They need a team. Uh, they need the, the front office needs to be a little bit more committed to making them the franchise that they can be. That's what I'd like to see. Just win, baby. Yeah.
Because their fans, their fans carry the entire weight of things, right? But if their front office could step it up, and I, then that, again, that's why I think they're going to do great in Vegas. Do you think they might sign Tom Brady? Mm. Question of the day. I, I mean, I think, I don't know. Brady keeps saying he's not going to go anywhere. But at the same time, wouldn't it be a great place for him to help kick this team off? I mean, I just think it would be, um, looking at it for market-wise, for him to go there and help them kick off this new location would be ideal. I mean, monetarily. Um, But I also think it's going to be, again, I'm sentimental. It's going to be hard for him to leave where he's at and what the successes he's had there. All right. Well, Jenny, we talked about the decade and we kind of went a little bit back and got a little nostalgic. But before we go, I wanted to ask you, as we start the 2020s, what is your expectations for all the Bay Area teams, starting with the San Francisco Giants? Okay, San Francisco Giants, I think we've uh, we've got a solid base. I think we need to stick with it. I don't think we need to overshoot anything. And I'm always for going with the basics. So let's just get out of the gate. Let's make sure that we have a, a pitching roster that is set. I, I would like to see another Brian Wilson uh, closer. Um, because I just feel like you need someone in clutch that's going to be able to come through in the end. And he was great. And he fizzled. And it made me sad. <laughs> yes. And, and so, yeah. So that's what I think. It's just go back to basics. Whenever you're on the downside, you go back to basics and you get the mechanics right. So let's focus on that. I hate that we don't have Bocce, but I'm, I think that he needs to put his health first. And it's, you know, he says it. He trusts his gut. It's time. And he's not going to leave baseball. I don't know where he's going to be or what he's going to do, but I'm excited for his next chapter. Um, but I just hate to lose his leadership. Oh, I agree. And just to remind you, Johnny Cueto is actually coming back. You know, he was injured, I think, two years. He's been out like Tommy John surgery. He's been on the injury list for about two years, but he's coming back. Uh, Buster Posey is still their catcher, but I actually I'm looking forward to seeing this prospect, Joey Bart. I know that he's going to take over for Buster Posey when he decides to either go to first base, maybe go be a designated hitter in the American League. He still has years left, but, you know, catcher is a position where I, I worry the knees. I worry yeah, the knees. It can't last forever, but you know, you, you still have, you know, but I'm, also I wouldn't, I would not be surprised if you saw Buster at some point in his career in a management position. Yes. He was a leader of that team when they won the world series. And, yeah. And you know, they're bringing back Hunter Pence and they've re-signed Pablo Sandoval. Oh, I know Pablo. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. They got him really cheap. You know, I was shocked when he came back. He, remember, he left the Giants after the 2014 World Series. He left the Giants to sign a major deal with the Boston Red Sox, and he didn't pan out. And the Red Sox released him. And the Giants decided to bring him back, and they got him really cheap. Because he's at home. with, And I think, again, it, it goes back to where you're comfortable. And we could talk about Durant and why he – everyone's like, well, why do you sign a three-year and not a five-year, and why have you left? It's where you feel at home because that's that's a big percentage of the game. I won't say what percentage because it de- depends on the player. But where do you feel at home? Where do you want to be? And 
are you surrounded by the teammates and the all the folks that you need in order to be as successful as you can be. And I think for Pablo coming back home, that's, that's what I would call it. He's coming back home because he has, he has his team. He has his folks. He has his fans. I don't think there's anyone disappointed about him coming back. And he was nice enough to do it on, on a discount. <laughs> exactly. All right. So we talked about the giants. Now let's talk about the 49ers. After that heartbreaking Super Bowl loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, they're going to uh, lose players because with this $13 million under the cap, they're not going to be able to re-sign all their restricted free agents. You have Eric Armstead. You have Jimmy Ward. But they, they, they've already said their priority is getting George Kittle locked up to a multi-year deal. I they was may, just going to say that. Yeah, They may let Emmanuel Sanders walk. I actually feel the 49ers are in better shape because they're getting Jalen Hurd back and Trent Taylor back from injury. And I feel Debo Samuel is going to step in and be that number one receiver. But how do you feel, like, what are they going to do, like, as far as on the defense? I mean, it looks like if they lose Armstead and Ward, they won't be as dominant. But what is your expectations for the 49ers next season? Okay, so I, I would say that we need to keep the focus on the offense. And that's probably disagreeing with what you're saying. But so – I think that we have a very strong quarterback. He is just getting started. He's super young. And yes, a younger quarterback just beat us. But the team that he has around him, like, again, continue to push him forward, continue to make those plays. Um, We have a strong defense. We have a few injuries, but that's okay. I feel like if we can continue the momentum that we have with the offense, it might be more successful. All right. And now for the Golden State Warriors, you know, they just picked up Andrew Wiggins and they're going to get Steph Curry and Klay Thompson back. And with their worst record in the NBA, they will probably get a top five pick next year. So what are your expectations for the Golden State Warriors now that they're in that new Chase Arena in San Francisco to to come back to where they were when they went to five straight finals? I think it's going to depend on who they can get. Who Who are the up and comers? Who can you get? And don't dwell don't dwell on the Durant issue. I think that it's been overread and overemphasized. I mean, just he did his contract. He's doing, he's moving on. That's fine. But don't get caught up in that. Focus on who you're going to bring in. You've got Curry. I think he's almost healed up. Um, he's going to be able to, to coach and mentor some of these younger kids. And let's get them in there. Let's see what we can put together. All right, and then uh, just on a side note, I know they're not a Bay Area team, but they are a Northern California team. Don't sleep on the Sacramento Kings. When they get Marvin Bagley the third back from injury and your buddy Heald, who just won the three-point contest, and also De'Aaron Fox, that's a very young team that could make some noise and possibly make it back into the playoffs. I'd like to see the Sacramento Kings back on top like they were, but the West is so tough. They are so tough. And the Kings were on the cusp last season. They almost made the playoffs last year, but they fell short. But getting getting Marvin Bagley back is, is going to be huge. And I think that the Sacramento Kings in the future should be able to be competitive as well as the Golden State Warriors. Agreed. I, I mean, I totally agree. And here's the other thing. California has a lot of basketball. A lot of basketball. So understand that, you know, these, these players – whether they're the Kings or the Warriors or the Clippers. I mean, 
there's a lot of basketball going on. So, you know, you need to make sure that you're, you're nurturing these fight, these kids coming up and buddy Heald, Great player. Let's get him back in the game and let's see what he can do. All right. Well, that's Jenny Fisher. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was great to actually catch up with you and talk about Bay Area sports. Uh, before we go, is there anything that you want to talk about that we did not mention on this show? I just wanted to give a side shout out to everything that Ronnie Lott had given the Niners. I always feel like Montana and Rice get all of the love, but don't forget about my Ronnie Lott. That guy was amazing. Amazing. That's all I have. <laughs> and, and you know, because you live in Virginia and I live in Georgia, um, anytime like there's ties between California and like the states we live in, it's always has a special sentimental place in my heart. I actually uh, been a Georgia Bulldogs fan in college football. And I so, remember you were I remember you wearing that jersey in AIT. For for those that don't know, well, yes, AIT was a, is our those are our training days. Military. Yeah, it's a it's where you go for your military job. As you know, Jenny and I are both combat correspondents. Uh, were you were what in the military five years and I'm actually still going on my eighteenth year. God bless you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Went to a, what's called the Defense Information School out of Fort Meade, Maryland. And Jenny, you still live near that area. I actually live in Georgia. I've been living there for 15 years. But uh, just just to bring my point home that like, so anybody that plays for the Georgia Bulldogs and also plays for the San Francisco 49ers are very, has a very special place in my heart. And that I just want to give a shout out to Garrison Hurst. Oh, yeah. Who, who was a Georgia Bulldog legend, and he was also picked up via free agency in the 1996 NFL season. You remember when the 49ers let Ricky Walker walk, and then the 95 season, they didn't really have a running back. Derek LaVille, Terry Kirby, they, you know, Steve Young was actually carrying that team by himself. Oh, my I mean, gosh, of course they bless had... Steve Young's heart. Yeah. But, but then in 97, they got a running game, and Garrison Hurst, played very well for the 49ers in 97, 98. He got injured in 99, but he won comeback player of the year in 2001. So much props to Garrison Hurst. He was a Georgia legend. He finished third in the Heisman voting in, in 1992 when Georgia won 10 games. So just anybody that plays for Georgia and plays for the 49ers, shout out to them. That That's great. Uh, I know you probably don't have a college football team, but living no, up in Virginia, no, would you my say college, Virginia my college, you know, I went to a Chico state for my undergrad and uh, the biggest thing we had was ultimate Frisbee. So it's pretty sad. And, it, <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers. Oh, Aaron Rodgers. For a brief. No, no, he actually, he lives, he didn't go to Chico state. He lives in Butte. Butte County. Like he went to Butte, Butte County community college. And then he went to Cal. It would have been because Chico State didn't have a football team, but I'm sure if they no, did, like I said, we had ultimate frisbee. I mean, it was the bee's yeah. knees. <laughs> Absolutely. Now that was one of the school I didn't look at when I was in high school. I'm not sure why. I mean, it, I, I'm, I'm sure it's a great it, school. No, but... it's, I mean it's a great it's a great little college town. It's small. Um, the thing with Chico was that we didn't have a team, but that's why we focused on those teams like Stanford. Davis, 
because those those are the big teams that everybody knows about. Those are the big schools everyone knows about. So, and we we can't forget about St. Mary's either or uh, Sacramento State. Although they've been very disappointing, they haven't won anything in football or basketball. But uh, UC Davis actually did make the tournament. I want to say back in 2014 or 15. They made the tournament. Uh, St. Mary's always makes it to the tournament. And you know, we, we just love our Bay Area sports. We do. We As do. You, we do. We could go on and on about passionate. it. <laughs> we, and that's basically what we've done on this podcast. So if you have if you've joined us this entire time, you must love Bay Area sports as much as we do. <laughs> We're gushing. We're gushing. Oh man, it was fun. Thank you, Jenny, for being on the show. And uh if you are listening to us, to just make sure that you keep listening. Hope everybody has a great day and enjoy your weekend. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved.